The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hey everybody, it's Lauren Ash. I just wanted to give you a quick heads up. The episode of Giving It Up For Less you're about to listen to was recorded pre-pandemic. So if you're wondering why we're not referring to it or talking about it, it's because it was recorded in a much simpler time three weeks ago. (laughs) So sit back and enjoy this pandemic-free episode of Giving It Up For Less. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Giving It Up For Less, a podcast about oversharing. Hope everybody out there is doing great. So excited about today's episode. This person is very, very dear to me. He, uh, We met last year, I believe, uh, and became very fast friends. He is a makeup artist to the stars, a celebrity makeup artist, if you will, Jared Lipscomb. Oh, my God. God, what an introduction. Right? Yes. Well, we met, you did my, my makeup for the, the Giving It Up For Less promo video that we put out. That is where correct. I, I talked to the pool boy. And that's how we met. We we really hit it off right away. And then you came as my personal makeup artist to Comic-Con. Comic-Con. My first Comic-Con was with you, side by side. Oh, what an experience. Taking on the world. <laughs> Laverne and Shirley. Oh, there we go. Um, And it was actually, unfortunately, it was a, uh, that that was kind of the beginning of our friendship. And very soon after that, you were diagnosed with leukemia. That is sad. <laughs> sad. <laughs> segue, but very true. Very true. Yes. And so you've been on a real journey for almost a year. Yeah. Well, it's six months now. It will, by the time that I'm cured and everything, I have to get a bone marrow transplant. I'll, I'll spare you the boring details. I don't right think now. it's boring. Well, to me, I'm just so you of know, course sick you're of it. used to it. So, but by the end of it, it will be a full year of right. like uh, getting the transplant, getting recovery, and then you know, being cancer free. Yeah. So not my plan for 31 years old, but oh here gosh. I am nonetheless. And so. you look fabulous. Why, thank you. Um, and listen, I'm going to put out there, uh, obviously this is a crazy time. We live in America. There's uh, hospital bills. It's a nuts situation. Mm-hmm. As a Canadian, I have no idea about any of this. Uh, but there's a GoFundMe and and I have been very committed this this past year. I'm going to humble brag about it. Please. Try and stop me. Brag, every, brag, brag. Every year as an actor, you know, in the industry, you give a lot of gifts to your managers, your agents, agents, your publicists, your castmates. And this year I decided, you know what, I, I'm always like sending bottles of booze or I'm sending br- tins of brownies or whatever. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to take the money I would normally spend on those gifts and I'm going to give it to Jared's GoFundMe. And, uh, you know, a lot of my my team and people reached out and they were like, this is so lovely, which people who normally don't even send me a thank you for the gift. <laughs> so I feel like it was really kind of a, everybody won. Well, I mean, it was very much appreciated. And Listen. a lot of people have reached, you know, have done that kind of thing. And it's been so cool. And it's just so crazy that in America... I'm diagnosed with cancer and my insurance isn't covering the first part of my just this was my initial 30 day diagnosis like of just like my baseline of of care yeah. of like my diagnosis and then like my first level of treatment. This doesn't include my four follow up treatments. This doesn't include my bone marrow transplant. This was the first month I have a half a million dollar medical bill. Oh. So, and that is with some like with insurance but not because we're like in a battle. So anyways, the point is to say it was very much appreciated. Yeah. Thank you so much. Of course. And um you know, everyone's been so generous with that and it's been very helpful because Dang, this healthcare system is fucked up. It really, really is. And again, coming from a country where all of it is covered, it is very 
bizarre to me mm-hmm. that you know you even you shouldn't even have to worry about those kinds of things when you're worrying about getting better. So I'll put the link in my Instagram bio. I'll post it on Twitter and and listen. You're you're gonna fall in love with this man over the next hour. So buckle up, open those wallets. Love me or hate me, baby. Still <laughs> donate. <laughs> oh, I don't think anyone could hate you. Not well. We had such a great time, honestly, at, at Comic Con. It really was just so much fun. It was it's chaos. It's chaos. Yeah. My first Comic Con. I mean, it was it was very funny to see like the the action star. And you know, because yeah. we were there with Superstore, obviously. Yeah. It was so cool, but like, whew, what a wild experience. It's wild. You know? It is wild. So many people, it's like you're going from place to place to place. You're constantly, like, it's a very small area, but yet you're being bussed everywhere. It like takes half an hour to go three blocks because it's such a crush of people. Um, then we were in that weird elevator with like 50 people. A That's freight elevator. Freight elevator that smelled yeah. like trash. Yes. Yeah. And then and I learned very quickly because, you know, I usually do go to someone's fabulous home and do the makeup and then I'm gone. You know, in my Nissan Versa, and I'm just out the door. Of course, but but this time I was with the stars. You know, right. I was right there with them, and I didn't realize that the the smell was just a lot of trash everywhere you went. You were going through back alleys and back doors and avoiding the crowd so you don't get mobbed. But that involves a lot of trash. It so does. I just <laughs> I just imagine like Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera behind the you know behind the scenes trying to avoid paparazzi just. Smelling like trash. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. Ugh. Like that's the thing we don't think about is that again the back entrances which you take when you're so you're someone notable they they're not glamorous. No, it's d- not a glamorous d- time. Decidedly unglamorous. <laughs> it's very unglamorous. Yeah. So. Oh gosh. Well, speaking of unglamorous, I was I was chatting with you via text earlier this week, and I was like, "What do you want to talk about on the podcast?" And what we came up with was hospital hijinks. Absolutely. Because you've spent a lot of time in hospitals, mm-hmm. obviously, over the past six months. I've in my lifetime have spent way too much time in hospitals. Very <laughs> luckily not for anything as serious as, as what you're going through but I feel like we both have a lot of material to draw on oh absolutely right the hospital the medical industrial complex if you will yeah is quite the wild ride it's a wild <laughs> ride baby I will say that I again I'm just gonna spend most of this bragging about the things that I do uh, and have done which feels weird but um I donated platelets because we don't have the we don't have the same blood type yes. but they were like if you don't have a match you can donate platelets which is quite a process it and they, is. you have to go through a lot of different levels of testing and stuff like that and so I went into the the, the whatever you call it the blood bank everybody's so nice mm-hmm. and also this is like if I may impart anything to people like we, we all really need to be giving blood like it really did you know make me realize that it was like wow there's not a lot of people here there's such a need like it really is just a few hours of your time or even less if you're just donating blood but the gentleman I don't know if I told you this the gentleman who was checking me in and they have to go through all these different forms and medical things and whatever uh, I didn't realize that something that I guess I say a lot if somebody says something to me and I acknowledge it I'll say beautiful I didn't realize I did that but this day I, I learned that because he'd say something to me <laughs> and, I, and I'd go beautiful and he goes you are <laughs> and I was like okay but every t- and then I was like oh my god I've done it again and he's done it again and I've done it again and he's done it again um, so that's when I really became kind of knowledge- knowledgeable that I say that and I'm trying to curb it now because I'm realizing that it make- <laughs> maybe looks like I'm looking for a compliment which I'm not um Anyway, I started this 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 platelet donation, which is a whole thing, and you're you're hooked up to these machines and stuff. And then that's when the whispering started. And then I realized that, like, as I'm looking around, I'm like, oh, I'm causing a stir that the girl from Superstore is here. And I'll also add, I had turned like 18 shades of burgundy. Like, I think my body was just like, what's happening? Oh, yes. You know what I mean? And so, um, you don't look great. And then people are like, can we get a photo? And I'm like, maybe when I get 
off the machine. Like, it feels when weird. When this full body flush resides. Exactly. And I, like, took a selfie to send to you. And then I was like, I can't send. I look terrible. I look gray. Oh but what's nice? the bottom line is, is that what I want the viewers to know, or the listeners to know, I should say, is that part of my, my platelets are inside of you. So we're, yes. we're forever bonded. I just feel so connected to you. Right? I just have this, like, Lauren Ash inside of me. And we're going to start know? having, like, a psychic connection Ooh, soon. I think I we already do, honestly. I, am, I know that we already yeah. do. We do. Um, so I was thinking about hospital stories. I mean, other than that one, but I was thinking about like the crazy ones. And when I was a kid, I, my appendix burst when I was about 10 and doctors kept misdiagnosing me. They said it was like, Oh, it's just, she got her period for the first time. It's bad cramps. And then after they figured out my appendix had burst, the doctor was like, well, her threshold for pain is way too high. My fault. (laughs) My fault. Mm, my fault sure cool but but what i remember very vividly and it was a crazy time because i also was like very very ill um because what happened was i was very very sick for about a week and we couldn't figure out what it was my doctor said it was period cramps and then i started to get really sick like i kind of turned like like a yellow color and we went to the, the like a clinic and they were like go to the emergency room we go to the emergency room the doctor sends my mother and my grandmother out of the room keep in mind i'm like 10 at oh this my time God. and the woman's like who have you been having sex with and i said i haven't been having sex with anybody and she's like you've been having sex with somebody and i'm like no i haven't she was convinced i was pregnant which I was not. But then after I, I, I very, you know, emphatically said like, no, I'm not pregnant. Cause she, I'm 10. Cause I'm 10. <laughs> and I don't even fully understand it as a concept. Oh. She took her fists and she started grinding them into my abdomen. I don't know what she was testing for, but I was screaming in agony. And what ended up happening was a, she was the like ER doctor. A surgeon came, looked at me and was like, prepper for surgery. It's appendicitis. Like her appendix is burst. And I consequently had a bunch of side effects that happened because she basically, when your appendix bursts, your body like releases this like liquid kind of poison toxin, which is what can kill you. And in her, her, you know, fervor, digging her fists into my stomach it moved the poison behind my organs so i ended up getting this infection behind my organs like in my back so i couldn't lay down if i tried to lay down i would like suffocate oh yeah my lungs also started to fill with the liquid it was a very tragic time and it was all at christmas so i'll never forget though i i it was all a blur and i woke up from the surgery and as i opened my eyes and i like kind of was like still out of it there was a female nurse and a male orderly or nurse or whatever, and they were play fighting. So as I'm coming out of <laughs> sedation, out of the surgery, they're like whipping each other with towels and like 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 whipping them and like throwing towels at each other and doing all this play fighting and giggling. And I watched them for I want to say a good ten minutes. And you don't know if you've entered the the pearly gates of heaven. No or, idea. Again, or, a child. I'm yeah, a child. I'm 10. I, I can't get over the fact that you're ten. I'm ten. And I'm literally like just again, and I because I also I don't feel like I had a vo- I was really ill, obviously, and I didn't really feel and I just remember like very sleepily just kind of like watching this show and knowing what flirting was, like not you know, having mm-hmm, a concept mm-hmm. and I was I remember thinking like, oh God, they need to like just do it and get it <laughs> over with, preferably not in front of me. Um, but then at some point they kind of looked over and they're like, Oh, she's awake. Uh, <laughs> like, uh oh. Help we, the ten year old, maybe pregnant girl. <laughs> we wait, we've been we've been found, we've been made. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so then they took me to my room and it, it consequently was basically like a month in and out of the hospital. I was in a coma for part of that time. What? Yeah. It was a really like dramatic situation and they, they kept finding all of these other things. Like again, the infection and then my lungs. And so it was, a uh, it was a lot. And I, I, <laughs> I remember like being at an age where it was, it was, 
it was it's, it's an odd time. I mean, it's, at any time it's an odd time. But being like ten. And like wanting to be a kid, but then also wanting to be grown up. And then also like, so it's like I had my teddy bear with me, but then also it was like, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I got this. I got this. Yeah. I'm a fighter. You know, that kind of thing. It was weird. And I do remember that I lost a ton of weight. Um, I was always chubby. And then I lost a ton of weight during that time, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember like doctors making comments about that too. Like it was like my mom had said how much I weighed. I'll never forget this. Too. And again, the fact that I had to ab- absorb this as a 10 year old is also gross. But I remember her saying how much I weighed and he's like, really? Well, I guess she looks thinner laying down. I remember that quote. Oh. And I was like in a coma at the time. I'm not even kidding you. Like I wasn't like full, but I remember I could hear everything that was going on, whether they knew that or not. And I heard this comment and then, I mean, it's, it stuck with me to this day that That's it was like, so bizarre. Isn't that bizarre? Well, I even when I was, before I was diagnosed and I was having symptoms, I remember I, I had a huge weight loss within like a month and a half period. And it's so Los Angeles, just typical LA. Yep. I show up to a job and someone's like, wow, looking great. And I'm like, I've lost 30 pounds in three weeks. I haven't eaten. I keep barfing my brains out. Something is really the matter with me. And then it was just like a disconnect of just like, well, you look awesome, you know? And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Three weeks later, I have, you know, like a life-changing diagnosis. But it's so weird, the the relationship with weight and then like sickness. And even I still make jokes about it to this day because they're like, oh, once you get your transplant, you're going to lose 10% of your body weight. And I'm like... Yes, like, <laughs> hell yeah. Like, you gotta find the silver lining somewhere, baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. is And that's, you know, that's why I've also like, I also feel like we have to stop commenting on people's bodies and weight period I think in we just general yeah because I mean, it's the whole adele thing that's going on right mm-hmm. now and everybody's like oh my god she's lost so much weight she looks cr- incredible and i'm like she's also been going through a divorce like we don't know what the connect she could be ill we don't know what the connection is for anybody and the- believe it or not ladies and gentlemen i know this is gonna be a shocker to a no. lot of people but losing weight is not always positive yes in my case it was very v- negative <laughs> very negative <laughs> Some might say dangerous and detrimental to my health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a simple uh, a sign that there's something very wrong <laughs> yes, going on. So. I remember when we were at Comic-Con, you were like, I've had a migraine for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Or however and long And that was kind was. of the start of it. Yeah. yeah. Wild. And so, yeah. Losing, Unbelievable. Losing weight. But yeah, we do put a, a weird... Uh, I don't know. A There's weird... a weird focus on it uh-huh. that it's like people assume. I remember like my best friend, Leslie Seiler, friend of the podcast. Friend, friend, friend. Um, she, I remember this is years and years and years ago, but she was going through a bad breakup and she dropped a ton of weight and people kept congratulating her. Like you look fabulous. <laughs> and I remember it's like, I remember her saying to me, like it was such a weird disconnect in my own brain because it's like I was being rewarded for my agony. And I feel like that's such a bizarre like human thing that we've just like we always associate that it's like well you look thinner so you're so you're winning like it's so bizarre i I feel like some of the thinnest times in my life were the most depressed times in my life obviously yeah of course because a cheeseburger tastes good thank you very much thank you um so listen i gotta know you must have a million stories i mean i do and it's you know after spending six months like i was 30 days in the hospital right upon diagnosis i got diagnosed was whisked into the hospital admitted immediately started treatment you know, everything's topsy-turvy. I'm in there for 30 days recuperating. And then within three weeks of my release, I'm back in for another round of consolidation chemo. So, I mean, I'm in the hospital up until it's basically I'm on for a week in the hospital and then I'm severely immunity compromised. So I have to like stay home and like, can't, you know, wear a mask. If I go to the doctors, I can't eat out. I can't do anything. I'm weak and tired. And then I'm back in the hospital again for another round of chemo. And so during that time though, 
you know, I, we met obviously on an, doing promo for an oversharing podcast, right. which we are yes. currently on as we speak, yes. believe it or not. Yeah. But, um, so we bonded over this, like, you know, love to overshare. Yeah. And I will say the one takeaway that I've gotten through this whole experience has been like, I love to be in the hospital because not, not for the reasons why I'm sure. in it, but I get to share everything and the mindset and mentality that's like come with this process is so wild. Like it started off, like I would have a ton of visitors. Everyone came to visit me. So sweet. And you know, like a nurse would come in and, you know, kind of whisper to me, like, did you have a bowel movement today? <laughs> and you know, and, it, and I'd be like, Oh, could you come back in five minutes? Like I have, I have guests that are be, you know, they'll be leaving shortly and then we'll discuss. <laughs> and now cut to like, I was just in the hospital, you know, three or four weeks ago and a nurse comes in and was like, how'd you poop? And my, you know, I have this dear friend of mine sitting there. She's, you know, an esteemed woman who works in charities and she's very lovely and very sure, you know, but she's sitting there and I said, you know, it was uh, firm and uh, easy and it came out properly and no discoloration. I was very, you know, it, proud of it, proud of it today, feeling good, you know, oh not constipated. God. And so that's been like the wildest part is just this like ride of going from, oh, I don't want to talk. I don't want anyone to know to being like, excuse me, you know, m mom, yeah, <laughs> come look at my poop. Can you, yeah. can you take a quick peek and see if I have an infection or not? And that's been the really like, that's been my standout thing is just like the pooping. Right. Like, I mean, we are talking about my shit. Like it all the is, time. Oh, I mean, it's a pop star. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, and especially this last round, last time I was in the hospital was actually due to a stomach, a very serious stomach infection. Oh, no. So they were, um, it's, it, you know, it's par for the course. It's just right. it's something that happens when you are on all these medicines and it's, you know, it's just a side effect basically. And that was the thing I was just, you know, I was like, oh my God, we are just going to talk about my, my fecal <laughs> matter. <laughs> so many names for it too. Oh, I know. Um, Every day, all day yeah. while I'm here for eight days. And <sighs> that's what we did. I had, you know, I was, I'm at a teaching hospital. So I've got like the actual doctors, but then I've got student doctors and in everything in between. So they're coming in multiple times a day and everyone has like different words. Some of them like to be very professional and say bowel movements. And then right. some will be like poop, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> ah, yes, I did, you know. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just something about just, it's really freeing to talk about, I bet. To talk about your poop. Yeah. And with strangers, with with total strangers, or with friends in the room. Sure, and, I mean it's all gone. That that facade, that that thing we build up, that wall that we build up, is just torn away. People right. can ask me a question, you know, whether they're. I've been lucky, like on social media, to have like a lot of people kind of follow along because I work with you know celebrities and yeah. stuff, and so they've all shared the story. And so I'll get you know messages from people who are also going through it who don't have as much of an outlet as right. maybe I have because like I live in a major metropolis and have you know, a lot of, a lot of resources in a big city. Sure. And so I'll get messages from people and they'll be like this, you know, this is an embarrassing question, but like, you know, did your, do you still have your pubes? Like mine fell out, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'll be like, yeah, they fall out when you get chemo surprise. No one tells you that. <laughs> right. And then like plug your ears, mom and dad. But like at my last doctor's appointment, I literally was like, what's the deal with like sexual function during all of this? Right. And my doctor literally said, she was like, oh yeah, we're really, really bad about explaining that kind of aspect to it. And I was like, why are you guys bad about this? Like this You're doctors. Be yes. Tell me. Cause I just wanted to know, like, you know, it, I'm, as much of an overshare as I am, I'm not going to go into this kind of detail sure, right now. Sure. Well, We've already talked give about it 20 my minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give it 20 minutes and a sip of this water. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, but, but she was just like, 
oh my God, yeah, we don't talk about this like as part of your treatment and recovery and like what kind of your sexual level is and like what you're going to be feeling. Like, are you going to feel horny? Are you going right. to not feel horny? Does it affect your bodily functions and whatnot? And so I had to, you know, ask, I had to be the one to ask her. And I was literally like, okay, well, you know, like I need to know this. Yeah. So, so please tell me. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you're, you're a 31 year old man. This yeah. is, this is a valid, I think it's a valid question for anybody at any age, but certainly like when you're, when you don't know, like the side effects of like right. these very, very invasive proceed, not procedures, but you know, chemotherapies and things that, that are going on. You're like, what's the long-term effects here, people? Yeah. Well, you know, that drug Accutane, that acne drug. Yes. So I, I have, I have rosacea and I had bad acne for a while. And there was a period of time where a dermatologist was trying to put me on it. And for whatever reason, I was like, it just doesn't sit right. I don't know. It just felt like I was like, this feels like overkill. And then I started doing research about it. And there is a huge percentage of both men and women who, after doing rounds of Accutane, for the rest of their lives are unable to achieve orgasm. Oh my God. Yeah. And it causes this sexual dysfunction in both men and women. And when you kind of start reading about it, the whole thing is, is that they just, because it, it was often teenagers that were being treated with Accutane and stuff like that, they felt embarrassed and didn't want to bring it up. So it, because it was like re relying on the feedback from the patients and it's an odd kind of uncomfortable thing, it never kind of became known until now you know whatever like 30 years later all these kids are growing up going this drug messed me up for life oh my god isn't that wild i'm lucky my my doctor did not say the same thing well listen i would have been trying i would have been like <laughs> i don't know what i would do yeah please please <laughs> figure out an alternative yeah. option put me on a a trial study of something because this is not an option for Inject me. Inject me with whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so crazy. And there must be so many things like that for you. Mm -hmm. that, they, that you It's like you have no idea about mm -hmm. it until you go through it, right? Well, yeah. And there's also like weird, uh, very, you know, obviously I'm openly gay and there's like a lot of heteronormativity stuff pressed on you. Like for one thing before the week, like as soon as I was diagnosed, I was immediately admitted, but they waited three days because they continually would come in social workers, you know, doctors, the nurses, everyone would come in and be like, do you want to free f save your specimen, freeze your sperm? I don't know how it works, but how that works out. save yeah. sperm basically. Right. Cause like they're it, the, the rate of your, uh, I don't know what it's called. I don't know any of the technical terms, but right. the rate of being able to have a baby like right. with your own sperm after going through, a, you know, several rounds of chemo is very, very low. Right. So I, um, I was like, no, I don't want to save it. I, I've known this for a long time that if I have a child, I'm going to adopt. Right. Or if I'm, with, you know, end up with a partner who wants to have a baby, we can use your <laughs> semen, sir. Like I, I don't, you know, it just. Right. And I was just like, no, absolutely not. I, it, and first of all, I couldn't afford it. I already right. had a half a million dollar medical bill just to get my basic treatments. Unbelievable. Much less ten thousand extra dollars for like a something that was definitely not covered by insurance. Right. And so I was just kept saying no. And then the next day they would come in and be like, we're not sure if you're aware of what we're asking you. We're not sure if you are fully comprehending what we are saying to you. And I'd say, I hear loud and clear what you're saying <laughs> and i am loud and clearly responding no thank you that's why i don't need you know i just i it's my decision yeah i've made my decision and so finally by the fourth day i was like when are you guys going to start treatment and they literally said well has someone come in and talked to you about and i said start my treatment please for the love of everything that's good in this world yeah and you know adopt adopt don't shop so <laughs> Yeah, listen, I mean, that's, you know what, I can, I can relate in terms of the amount of times I, it started around 32 for me, and mm -hmm. every year, every doctor wants to talk about what's going on with your eggs, when mm -hmm. are we freezing them, 
And I'm like, let's just pump the brakes. Let's just pump the brakes. And if you want, like, you ha- whatever you want to do. You exactly. know, that's the thing. And it's like, I made it very abundantly right. clear that I did not want to do this and I didn't feel the need to do it. So, like, if you want to freeze your eggs or save your sperm or do any of that, please research it if you, you know, God yeah. forbid, get cancer or anyone out there, you know, is, is considering it. Do the due diligence. But, right. like, I knew... Before this, of I already course. knew. Yeah. So it was just like, leave me alone, peeps. Like, believe me. That's yeah. what it is for me. Is it's like, why don't you believe me that I yeah. know what I want and that I know that I'm very steadfast in it? <laughs> like, ask once. Sure, yeah. that's great. Give the option, but ask then we can twice. move on. Twice, twice even. Maybe I, maybe I took too many Oxycontin that day. You know, like, <laughs> maybe I was in a daze. But, but, yeah. but by the third time, and we're delaying treatment because they, See, that you're that's... not sure... Oh yeah, and the other thing is they send in the psychiatrist. They send in the the hospital shrink to ch- what to check on me. Well, so n- mind you, I didn't always have this positive outlook on things. Of course, and now now I know that you know like things are really looking very positive for me. Right. I have an amazing team, an amazing doctor. I've got a random person who is donating his uh, bone marrow via stem cells all the way from Germany. That's it's amazing. Save my life. I don't know who it is. Um, the fa- and it's a very, it's not like a involved, it's kind of like giving platelets. Like it takes right. some time and it, and it wears you out. So I've got all this great stuff going, but in the beginning it was not so, you know, it wasn't sure. so positive, but they, so they sent a shrink into me and her first question was, do you have thoughts of killing yourself? And I, I could not believe for the, what I was hearing. I said, no bitch, I'm crying incessantly <laughs> because I want to live. <laughs> At all costs. And these goddamn doctors speak in motherfucking percentiles. I know. And it's so bad, which is why I love, I, I switched hospitals and I love my doctor. He's so passionate about what he does. He's a, he's a leukemia expert. He like, he, he, uh, is a, what's it called? Like the expert person on TV shows about leukemia. He like is very involved. He's got a tattoo. He showed me his tattoo of his like leukemia thing. Very, very cool guy. Like, yeah. so, and a genius, like a genius in the field. Right. Just top. But and he, and he was the one who I was like, I'm worried about dying. And he's like, I will not let you die. And I was like, that is all you need to That's hear. That's what you want to hear. I don't need to hear these doctors. I'm not going to name any establishments, sure. but the doctors who would be like, well, we've got 70% of this and 90% of this and 30% of this because, you know, you are 31, you are young and, but like typical patients who, and it's just like, dude, you're freaking me out. Like this is, this is what's going to kill me is the stress of hearing these numbers, <laughs> not me yeah. taking my own life. Right. <laughs> No. Right. Oh my God. That is crazy. And you know, what's interesting too, is that I feel like, and I don't know if you felt this way, but for me, I feel like we put so much kind of faith and trust in doctors Mm -hmm. that you forget that it's like, you've got to shop around and find the right fit for you. Absolutely. And I think that the biggest thing that I've kind of communicated when talking about some of my, my own, you know, ailments and and (laughs) disorders is that it's like, you really have to find the right doctor and not be afraid to say, you know what, this isn't working. Like I need, this isn't the right connection or I feel uncomfortable or whatever. Like, I feel like people, I didn't feel empowered to do that until I just got to an age where I'm like, well, I just stopped giving a fuck about anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just want to make sure that I'm getting the best possible care. But I think for so long, and especially people, I think in smaller towns, it's like, well, this is just the person. And I guess this is it. And I feel like really empowering yourself to take control of your own kind of, of medical stories, what you kind of have to do. You definitely have to do it because it, it it'll drive you crazy. And yeah. if like, you're dealing with, and you have to know yourself, like cause some people love the percentages, you know, right. some people love to hear like facts and, and like, that is not how my right brain, creative, artistic right. mentality, you know, I just need to hear like, 
sometimes I just need to be fluffed up a bit, you know, <laughs> just sure. me, like you're going to be fine. <laughs> and I think that, I mean, I don't feel like that's a bad thing. I think that's no. a completely valid need. Like, I just want you to say everything's going to be fine. Yeah. I feel like in general in life, sometimes it's nice to have someone say everything's going to be fine. Even yeah. if it's not. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, sometimes you just want somebody to say like, oh God, yeah, things are going bad, but it's yeah. all going to be fine. Yeah. Even though we both know that it's like, uh, this is hard right now. Yeah. Um, that's so funny. Well, I'm so glad that you found someone that you really connected with. Yeah, he's amazing. That's so great. Yeah. And that's so amazing. I mean, what a kind of testament to like having faith in humanity that there's mm-hmm. a stranger in Germany who's going to be giving you bone marrow. Wild. And it's my only person in the entire world. We've been searching for about f- four or five months. Wow. And it's like the only person. And he's not even a complete match. That's how like I urge people if there's one thing I've learned yeah. through this is like go out there and be part it's, be the match it's a registry it's a simple cotton uh, cotton swab in your mouth I think you did it right you know what I haven't done it I should be doing it yeah do it yeah. get in the registry and they'll call you maybe five years down the road ten years down the road maybe never yeah. but just knowing that you could be the one person the one and person. this guy does not know this is what like gives me the chills about it like in such a good way is he does not know why I need his stem cell bone marrow he doesn't know like this, this is what is going to cure my cancer he could be he could be you know think like oh maybe they have like a you know just like a lifelong disease and they just need a re-up of new stem cells for but no this is like curing me and he has no idea just goodness of his heart he went and followed up and did the appointments and he's going to be out of work for about a week because it's very it's just draining it's not it doesn't hurt or anything but it's just a draining process see i was i i was thinking about doing this but because i'm in the shoot schedule i'm like mm-hmm. i don't have time and so I, but i feel like it's good to know that it's like you can register at any time and you don't have to devote the time in that moment yeah potentially to when you actually get it done you need mm-hmm. to have about a week yeah it's good to know yeah it's maybe easy. even less yeah i mean it's so easy it's a cotton swab in your mouth and then if they ever call you you could literally i mean how easy it is and like to save someone's life how easy I mean, you, know, you want to feel like a hero. Yeah. You be, gotta, be a hero. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to have a complex. No. You can just, you can just do it. You can just do and it. And if you have a complex, then just post all about it on social media and get your feel. Get Absolutely. your likes. You know, get your I don't likes. care what the guy in Germany is doing. Doesn't matter. As long as I'm cancer-free, baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. So this is, um, so you're so you're getting the transplant, and then it's, it's going to be four to six months recovery time. Yeah. And, and I don't know what the recovery, like, entails. Like, they right. just say recovery recovery so it's i imagine it's just kind of like a starting week and then you slowly kind of you know feel better until right until you are better right (laughs) yeah god the journey continues it continues it feels like it's been going on longer than because i actually had asked you to be a guest on the first week of records for this podcast Mm -hmm. and then it was like i can't do it guess what i have leukemia and i was like oh my god (laughs) surprise bitch first of all i guess it's not just a brush off which is nice you know it was a pretty serious way to get out of the podcast um but yeah it felt it feels like it's been longer so the journey continues yeah it's it's a long process when you're in it in the thick of it but it's um you know it's nice to know now that there's like a a finite ending coming. So yes. that's giving me, that's kind of re restored my, you know, hope for everything. Right. I mean, I never lost hope, but it's definitely restored it. No, I think that- it's also valid that maybe you had some bad days. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> After your like fourth or fifth round of chemo and they're just like, well, this is just consolidation to keep the cancer at bay. I've my, the cancer I have, the leukemia I have is aggressive. So right. like they have to constantly are, I'm either taking chemo pills or going in every six weeks for, the chemotherapy itself so it's just aggressive so it's just like draining and you know i'm ready to get on with it yeah get on with it mm-hmm. you've put in enough time this is like a toxic relationship you just need to get out of <laughs> the break the breakup needs to come you know what i mean please <laughs> come. you and, and cancer good god god um oh my god i feel like also the the, the 
the kind of community within hospitals is weird. And if you haven't spent, because I spent that month in the hospital that time. You were in for a month? Yeah. So you can was, relate. So like, it's, I mean, yeah, it was a long time. Yeah. And you kind of like get the, the, the like, well, yeah, the community is the only word I can think of it. Like what the dynamics is between mm-hmm. certain nurses and doctors and that kind of thing. And I had like a, a constantly changing roommate. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, cause there would be like, someone would come in with a broken leg and in three days they're gone. Yeah. And it's like, I'd have somebody else come in and whatever. And, and, uh, yeah, I feel like it's just such a weird, different world, well, you, which I'm sure that you, again, you've spent more time in hospitals than me. I mean, I get to know the nurses. Yeah. I've got, you know, nurse, I know their drama. I know who likes who and who doesn't like who. <laughs> and I get involved. You know, I get, get bored in there. And so yeah. it's like you can only watch so much reality TV before you say, let me let me make my own reality TV show here. <laughs> right here, right yeah, now. Yeah, I'll call the little call button. Can you send so-and-so in? I have a question about their personal life. <laughs> and that has happened. Doris, you yes. need to leave Lionel. <laughs> He's no good for you, Doris. You're miserable and you know it. And I see the way you're looking at George every night when he comes in for the night shift. Uh, that, yeah. that quick crossover, the eye contact you guys make is palpable. Fireworks. So. <laughs> oh my Please, God. Doris. I love it. Listen, you got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. All right. It's time for Dumb Lies We Tell. Which obviously we're going to go to a listener submission first. And Ooh. I like to try and find one that I think might be uh, amusing to my guest or connect to my guest in okay. some way. And this one made me laugh and I thought you might enjoy it. Okay, so, my God, I'm so excited. So the listener writes, when I was about 12 years old, I was spending my usual summer at camp. On the last night of the summer, a group of boys and I were playing truth or dare. I was up and I picked dare. I was told to pee in a trash can by one of the bunks, a bunk that happened to have one of my campmates in it asleep. If my mother had been in the room, then she would have reminded me about my poor aim. I peed on the kid's face. (laughs) He woke up and was not okay with it. I didn't even get a chance to explain myself before all of the campers started laughing at the boy with pee on his face. Suddenly, I found myself lying, saying I did it on purpose. The kid got so angry, he punched a window, and suddenly, there's blood everywhere. Next thing I know, I'm sitting in the camp director's office waiting for my parents to come pick me up. I got kicked out on the last night of eight weeks of camp, and I kept the lie for some kind of weird status with boys I'd never see again? (laughs) A kid bled! (laughs) Anyway, mom and dad were not so happy with me but they were pushovers so i kind of just got yelled at and everyone moved on now i only take my penis out when it's requested of me oh my god i thought that was such a like great story um first of all that <laughs> I, I just love i kept this up to, to to be you know to be a badass with guys i'd never see again yeah. a kid bled yeah. i just love the way he wrote that uh but yeah i mean why we make those choices in the moment i don't know i mean I'm not, you know, I, I lie about everything, so <laughs> I can't, I, I relate so hard to that. Right. Just like the little lies, like sure. little, little bitty things. Nobody so, gets hurt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, this kid literally got L- hurt because he punched a window. Hurt, but Also, God bless this kid for punching a window and not the, the writer who peed on him. Yeah. I feel like you, that you pee on somebody and you say, yeah, I did it deliberately. You're going to get a face punch. Yes. Kind of justifiably. And what a power play to be like, oh, I did this, I did this on purpose. <laughs> Total power move. Like instead of just being like, I mean, oh my God. But I guess what's Kudos worse. to you, dear, dear, yeah, dear writer. Dear writer. I, I feel like there is something to be said that what's worse. Is it worse to say, yeah, I peed on your face? Or is it worse to say, I was dared to pee in this trash can and my aim is so bad. <laughs> I somehow peed up and to the left. 
or to the right. I don't yeah. know. I don't know the blueprint of the room, but yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? Like, how feels, high was this bunk bed? How high was this bunk bed? There's a lot of unanswered questions. I, now that I'm starting to think about it, maybe it was easier to just say it was deliberate. Yeah. And maybe that is less embarrassing than like, my penis has a life of its own. It's like a fire hose that's just like And kids are untethered. mean, as we know. Kids are mean. mean. So you, you just own it. I feel like also this is a almost like I, I would say kind of extreme game of truth or dare. Yeah. <laughs> like go pee in a trash can by somebody's face. Doesn't that feel like, I don't know, maybe we were just like, like a little bit more delicate about truth or dare yeah. when I was a kid, but it would like, be like, call the principal and hang up. Like, peeing in a trash can. I mean, that feels extreme to me. Yeah. No, no, it definitely feels extreme. Did I, you used to play truth or dare? Um, I, maybe in middle school, but yeah. it was nothing. I mean, it never involved genitalia yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, can you, you know, eat this hot <laughs> Taco Bell hot sauce packet, you know, yeah. without a drink of water for 30 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I, I mean, we used to play swamp water, which was you like, you made a drink out of like all of the condiments on the fridge. So it would be like everything, like olive oil. Is this a Canadian thing? Oh, maybe. Swamp water? Yeah, I've never heard. It was disgusting anyway. You you basically mix everything. So like soy sauce, hot sauce, honey. So far that's sounding pretty good, actually. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I think I got that at a fresh, fresh, fresh juicery the other day. Air one. Um, But yeah, and then we drink it. But that was kind of like the most extreme thing that we were doing. Which feels, I mean, maybe it was a different time. Yeah. Who knows? Bygones. Bygones. Uh, a dumb lie. I, the dumb lie that I was thinking of, and this really kind of fits into my own kind of bullshit about what I'm willing to do to stay nice. Okay. Uh, and that is uh, my dear friend, Leslie Seiler, friend of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's become my catchphrase, by the way. Um, we were doing a comedy festival and we got put up at this hotel that was, for lack of a better term, a prison <laughs> okay <laughs> it was awful it was like the toilet was not connected to the wall oh. like there was no tank it looked like a prison toilet and long story short we were just like this there's bars on the window it was dark we just we had to get out of there <laughs> so we have we didn't we never told them but we went and checked into a different nicer hotel and then it was like the minutiae of of like well should we go back to the original hotel to get picked up mm-hmm. to go to the airport or should we like like literally that level of like keeping this stupid lie where it could have just been that it was like hey guys you know what we're gonna change hotels like this isn't our jam but i just didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings because it was a fine hotel i think it was just that specific room was a little grim yeah um but yeah, for me it was, and then the, the the consequence to all of this was we moved to this new hotel and I ended up getting wildly sick with a stomach virus and I couldn't fly. So I ended up having to stay, she had to leave, so she left and I ended up staying in complete like, we're talking like very violently ill stomach flu for an extra two days because I couldn't oh leave. And then I was like, is this karma for me lying about the hotel <laughs> situation? I'm sorry, universe. I'm so sorry. But yeah, oh dumb, lie. God. dumb lie. Dumb lie. Yeah. yeah. I, I can relate with like the niceness factor. Yeah. And so mine, I'm going to try and try and tell this as concise as possible. Don't feel like you have to. Well, but we're here for I you, mean, this baby. Is, this is a quite, quite the winding road, but I went through this phase of like really wanting to, I was online dating and I really was like determined to like find a boyfriend. Yeah. And so I was very like, I'm open-minded, like telling myself, I, I did, you know, not desperate, just open-minded. Sure. You know, there's a difference. Of course. And so I was like, I'm open to anyone and everything. And few rules a few rules applied but I was like I am willing to talk to anyone so I started to chat with this guy very cute guy and we just had like a little little conversation over the evening got to know each other oh things are going good let's set up a date for later in the week things yeah. are really 
midnight strikes, you know, nothing good happens after a certain hour. It doesn't. Gets a little bit more sensual. PG-13, nothing R-rated, but right. just PG-13. And for whatever reason, with the rapport that we're having, he he says, I have to let you know, because we're getting along so great, that I do have like a, a little bit of a fetish. And I'm thinking... Okay, cool. Like, you know, I'm ready to get into a committed, monogamous, loving relationship. I, you know, my mind is open if it's a consensual and safe, safe place. So I'm open to it. I'm thinking like, what does he want to lick my toes, to spank, you know, a little spanking something. So anyways, I, so my first little lie was like, oh sure, I'm down for whatever, you know? So started that off. So I wanted him to feel comfortable, you know, no sex shaming. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted him to feel comfortable. Which is so kind. Yes. I'm a kind person. And I think you were too. You didn't want them to know about the hotel. Right. And so eventually, you know, I said, so just tell me. And he said in how many letters is this? Five letters. M preg. And I, I jumped on the Google as I quickly typed to him. Not sure about that one. Maybe you could fill me in. Like sounds hot, you know, wink, winky face, like (laughs) super into it. And a quick Google search alerts me to uh, all these fan fiction drawings of like your favorite pop culture people like Harry Potter and Ron Weasley and One Direction Boys. And one of them is pregnant. The M stands for male and the preg stands for pregnancy. Male pregnancy. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, I think I get where this is going. Like maybe this is some like mental thing where you're like, oh, like you know, we're going to make love and I'm going to get you pregnant. And that's where I'm thinking. That's right. where I'm like headed. I'm like, okay, like okay. I guess. And you know, still like at this point, the desperation, not desperation, but like he's the love <laughs> of my life, you know? Yes, so of like, course. you've already, you have the wedding dress. Planned, yes. I, I got everything planned. So yeah. I'm like, I'm still open to this. So then he says, so ideally I would like to, I fe- <laughs> Oh my God. I would like to feed you and give you lots of beers over the next few months to, to create this giant stomach on you. This very, uh, you know, bubbly, big old stomach that's, that's looks like you're pregnant. And so I'm like, Oh God, like I don't, I don't even drink beer. You know, it's like my first thought, but, but now I'm in too deep. So now I'm like, Oh my God. And I'm also curious as all get out. So I'm like, Oh my God, like I need to know more. I need to understand just a little bit more before I say like, I got to go, you know, bedtime, but I need to know just a little bit more. So I say, Oh, you know, I'm open to that. Like I'm open to getting fed beers for the next six months and eating lots of pizza to get this big belly. But I wanted to know why. And so I said, you know, but like, why? Like, what's the, what's the thing about it? And like, where's the fetish part? Because this is not, you know, this is, nothing seems really fetishy about it. Right. So anyways, through talking, he ends up saying that, oh no, his fantasy is not about the belly itself. It's about the role play that we will be doing. And I say, oh, I'm into a little role play. Sure. Tell me. Um, that he wants me to role play that I am giving birth to a, a, to an alien pregnancy. I had been infested with aliens and that I was going to role play me giving birth to these as they burst out of my stomach. And again, did I say, gotta go? I have to go. (laughs) Bye. This is not for me. No, I said, Oh my goodness, this is so new and different. This is such a, <laughs> such a new and different thing that I've never heard of. Because I still didn't get to the fact of where does the sex Where does the sex come in? Where yeah. does the sex? So finally, I'm, you know, I'm not sex shaming and I'm, I'm lifting him up. And I'm, you know, because I'm sure if this is your fetish, you've probably been like made fun of and instantly blocked many times. So, you know, I thought of myself on a higher level of just right. like kindness. And so I, so I kept it going just a little bit longer to say, where does the sex part come in this? <laughs> May may I ask? And he said, I'll be jerking off in a corner while you do this. Unbelievable. 
And then that's when I said, I, I, no, I didn't say anything. I just said block. I just had to hit the block button. Cause I said, there's no, there's no more. There's nothing else nope. I could do. I couldn't, I couldn't come back nope. from that. There was no rescuing that. So my life didn't last that long, but you know, I got a lot of information from it and, and I, we wrapped it up. Wow. And I think, oh, wow. Where to even begin with this? I feel like the other thing too, is that it's like, if somebody's into, for example, let's say uh, feet or, yeah. or, or whatever, spanking or whatever, that's a fetish that it's like, we can apply this however often you want to apply this. Now, personally, I'm not into feet or anything to do with feet. So that one might be a challenge for me. But anyway, you know, um, but it's like, how often is this? You know what I mean? Is this like yeah, every exactly. time? Like, is this just on holidays? Like, it feels like a lot. Like, this is a huge undertaking. Yes. It that you have to change your body. You have to then role play that you're birthing aliens. I mean, he's also looking for an actor. That's I know, and I, am not, I did not sign up for that. And then he just sits in the corner. I mean, what happens for you? I, there's no pleasure for me. I just, <laughs> I've gained 40 pounds, and I'm, I'm pretending You're to be sluggish. in the movie Alien. You're worried about your heart health. Yes. <laughs> you might have high cholesterol. And for what? For, for, for his corner pleasure. <laughs> E.T. phone home. It was really bizarre. And That's I did, so wild. I did ask, though, I was like, where, you know, like, where did this fetish, before, sometime along the line, I said, where, where did this come from? from you know and he was just like oh I was always fascinated by it from a little kid and watched the movie Alien or whatever whichever movie it is where they like rip out of the stomach yeah. and for some reason that weird psychosexual yeah. you know developmental stuff that happened it stuck with him and that was that was that and I wow. pretended for about you know two hours three hours to be in all in well what I love is that at least now we get the full story because you committed to it yeah but that is because could you imagine how I blocked as soon as he said like oh I wanted to get I want to get you fat and you know drink you a lot of beer or, you know you drink a lot of beers and you get a, just like a pregnancy belly yeah and then I would have blocked and then I would have forever wondered well what was next I know because at that point you think oh maybe he likes the feel of it maybe yeah. he wants to like have his arms around you from behind and he wants the feel of a no, no no he wants to be across the room mm -hmm. and to which I would say could didn't you just put on a, a, a fake pregnancy belly? Yeah, I mean, Why does it have to be real? There seems to be a lot of ways to like make this work for I him. I feel like there is. That yeah. maybe he, I, and if he's listening, I, I, I hope, hope he that, is. I hope he is. And I hope that maybe he can explore some things that are maybe not so taxing on your partner. Yes. You know, please, please, you know, Oh my God. <laughs> That is truly wild. I mean, I feel like anybody who's online dated, I, I mean, I've run into things too, where yeah. it's like things are going so well and you're talking to someone. I mean, there was someone I was talking to, he, he may listen to this, who knows, but things were, were going pretty well. And then literally out of nowhere, he literally was like, so are you into sex? <laughs> and I was like, that's out of nowhere. Um, and also the other thing I'll say is like, also like, eh, it was like the wording of it was yeah. as weird to me as the actual, do you know what I mean? Cause it's yeah, like, cause you're a human and, and he's like, just, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to answer that. And then he was just like, well, just so you know, it's a big deal for me. And I'm like, okay, that is a, a, that a weird, weird approach. One? Yeah. Weird approach. Yeah. Weird approach. Especially like, yeah, again, very deep into like the, the, the chatting back and forth. This was like day two or three yeah. of chatting back and forth. And it was like, huh, bold move. Sex. You into sex? I mean, I mean what, was, what if I have it? Nope. Yeah. I mean, I, there is a community of asexual people. True. But, but like... I mean, has he encountered that many asexual <laughs> yeah. people is my question. Like, how many people have you encountered that it's like, oh, I just keep hooking up with these asexual chicks who don't want to have sex, so I better oh get this out God. of the way before we even meet. Yeah, because that is that that shows that it's clearly been something that's... I mean, that's fresh on his mind. That's right. something at the forefront of what he... 
<laughs> or it's like, are you somebody that needs to be having sex like four times a day and you're True. maybe dating people who are like, I can't keep up with this because I have a job and yeah. I'm employed, you know? Regardless of the nature of it, that poor, poor way of communicating it. Bad way of getting in yeah. there. Bad way of getting into in sex. There. Are you into sex? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, right. long story short, way too late. I, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't continue the conversation. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. But I also had a, like, I gave him a nice, like, truly, I, you know, I was, I tried to wish him well, you know, because yeah. I don't want to make anybody feel bad either. That's the thing. People like us, you know, we tell these lies not to, not to hurt. Yeah. We just tell them to help. I remember there was one time I was, this was years and years and years ago. I was talking to a guy and, uh, and he was like, oh, that picture in the blue dress on your profile, you look so, you look good enough to rape. And I was like, uh, excuse me, that's like crazy. Like, what are you like? I was got very offended, obviously. And then he's like, what's the big deal? And I blocked him. And then I was talking to someone else a few days later. And he's like, what's the craziest story you've had dating recently? And I told this. And he's like, nothing wrong with a little rape once in a while. And then I was like, and now I have to block you too. And then I was oh. like, is this just a thing, straight guys? Like, yeah. Two for two, <laughs> two on the for rape? Two on the rape. Oh my God. God. Yeah. I, mean, I thought male pregnancy with <laughs> alien babies was bad. Well, I think male pregnancy with alien babies may take the cake. It's oh, a little less God. dark, at least. It's just real bizarre. It's kind of a fun one, huh? It's a fun one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. We are wrapping things up, sadly. Uh, we've got our last segment on the show, Never Let Go. Uh, grudges that we keep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking back on our, our kind of hospital theme, mm-hmm. and this is a real huge overshare, and I alluded to this to you when I was texting you. This is big, and I don't even know if I should go there, but I'm going to go there. So yeah, please do. I went, as people know, I've had many issues with my ovaries, and the, the, the sirens are going. It's like, uh-oh, she's talking about her ovaries <laughs> again. So I, a lot of people don't know this. I haven't talked about this. I, I actually had early stage cervical cancer and I had to have part of my cervix removed. And unfortunately, this weird side effect that I had shortly after was I developed this, I'm not exaggerating, this like golf ball sized cyst inside my vagina. And it was so big and so uncomfortable that it got to the point where I literally had to go to a hospital. Like I needed medical attention. And, uh, you, you know, I, one of my doctors at the time, I was, I, you know, I talked about them to, to, about it later. And they said like, sometimes when you're going through all this trauma and I had had so many, you know, tests done and again, the surgery and stuff, sometimes the female body will literally like almost try and build a wall. Like it's literally like, please stay out of here, no. <laughs> which is amazing. It's an amazing testament to the human body but also you know not great for me so anyway so i'm going into the hospital and and let me tell you it was not ideal and they were like okay no problem like we have this you know this doctor here who can help you and they literally took me i'm not exaggerating into a broom closet it was like a storage closet where there was like well just move these boxes off of this chair this is at a very very prestigious hospital in chicago and literally i was in i was amongst like (laughs) I was amongst like file folders and like old x-ray machines. And like, I was on this like, oh, and like, that's where we dealt with this very delicate issue uh, was in this storage room. And I hold a grudge about it because you know what, ladies, I think we deserve better. Uh, And I think it's really hard to have to go to a, to a hospital to deal with doctors that you're not used to. It's not your normal doctor. This was on a weekend. Otherwise I would have, I would have, but it was like, it was, I needed medical attention. Um, I think that that's, I think that's grudge worthy. Yeah. I don't think that anybody should be taken into a storage room to have anything done. Uh, certainly with your genitalia. Yes. Right. Nothing medical to start. I would say nothing medical needs to happen in a broom closet. I mean, maybe an eye exam. 
but Maybe. like that's it. But those that room needs to be dark anyway. Yeah. It was dark in there too. Yeah. The whole thing was very creepy. And then I remember like they took me back to another room where like a normal kind of ER bed, and I had a, a representative from the hospital come in and was like, "We just wanted to ask about how your experience was today." And I was like, "I don't want to talk about yeah. it." Yeah. Yeah. Like we hope we can count on your business in the future. And I was just like, "This mm-hmm. is so weird." And again, this was like I won't name it, but this was a very like this was one of the best hospitals like. Did they ever explain to you why they put you in a broom broom closet to do this? No. I also had waited like four or five hours to be seen by a doctor. And it was like, I guess it was a real busy night at the ER. I have no idea. But it was truly horrible. Unheard of. So anyway, ladies out there, I share this story in the hopes. Well, gentlemen, too, if you've had something similar, uh, (laughs) similarly horrifying happen. um, Because I'm sure other people have gone through it. And it's really awful. We deserve better. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) You got a grudge? Oh, I have many. Oh, my God. I was asking my friends. I said, I'm doing a podcast. And I have to think of the grudge. And they literally said, which one are you going to pick? And I was like, oh, Lord. But I think, I mean, I'm gr- I'm feuding. I'm constantly feuding with the front desk ladies at the hospital. But there's no real reason behind it. Except right. that they just like kind of make me wait. And just like are very, you know, just w- one of those things. But I, I do have this like vivid memory of one of my rounds of um, chemo. And it's so funny because every time I go back to the same hospital, which is where I go for all of my treatments and where I, where I will be going, they all know to not put this nurse with me, this male nurse. Um, and the the reason why is kind of foggy now right. in, in hindsight. But I, it had something to do with he, he wanted to do some sort of um, – protocol that they do in the hospital. And I got admitted very late and late at night because of just room availability, what, whatever the case may be. And I needed to rest, you know, I'm going through cancer. I'm 31. I needed to rest. Yeah. And the, the thing was very, something very simple, like, Oh, we need to like wipe the bottom of your feet or something like that. Like it was just something so dumb. And I was like, no, no, no. Listen, this is my first rodeo type into your little computer patient refusal. Simple as that. Right. I'm refusing it. And then he came in and said, you know, came close to me and said, do you want me to lose my job? Like, this is my livelihood. Like, you're going to like this. This reflects poorly on me. And so then I said, patient refusal. He comes in at four in the morning while I'm sleeping and attempts to do this very simple, like wipe down thing. And I said, sir, with loud claps, because um, which I will not do here on the thing, but sir, what are you doing? And I said, no. And so I had to call the charge nurse. And, you know, I said like, hey, this guy will not give, let it go. He will not let it go that he has to do this for his sake of keeping his job. And I, um, you know, so I, I said, I can never have him in my room ever again. And now every time I go to this hospital, which I go to all the time and I see him all the time. <laughs> and it's just one of those things that I like made such a big deal. And, you know, I'm medicated half the time and I'm sure. going, but you know, like just, just be on my side. Like just dude, just chill. Yeah. And so I hold a grudge to him and I still do. Every time I see him, I'm like, there he is. Like my lip snarls just a bit. And I, you know, I say, Whoever my nurse is checking me and I say, you know, you know, who you can't put in this room, you know, who doesn't belong in this room. Right. And they're like, we know it's on your file. Like he's never, he's never allowed to be her nurse again. Oh my God. I and love so it. It's, a, it's like a kind of like a lifelong grudge now. So I think that's valid. Yeah. Also like spread your wings, gentlemen. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you want it to look bad on your job. It's going to look worse when you have a patient who you've like permanently mentally scarred <laughs> because you won't stop harassing them to do some bullshit thing. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even remember what it was. And that's the part I'm like, dang, I wish I remembered. But I mean, it was very like yeah. minor, like using a bleach wipe to like wipe the bottom of the bed. And like the smell was like making me nauseous or something like that. I was like, no, don't do it. Which also again, like you're going through something. Yeah. Like this can't be the first time someone's been like, I think I need a, I need yeah. just to rest. It's not like you're up and like, 
having a party in every room and spreading germs around. Like you're, you're contained. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I'm not man. sharing a room with anyone. It's, right. Yeah, so you're, so. yeah. But yeah, I got a lifelong grudge. And I just think it's funny that the whole hospital has kind of backed me on the grudge. Every time I show up, they're just like, we already know. We already know. And I'm like, that's what I like to hear, please. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes. Listen, I think it's one of those things where, again, when you're going through something that is like truly putting your life in such upheaval, I think that the, like the small things are like, legitimate requests sure not being harassed not yeah. being you know if there's a day and i also love that you just know the verbiage patient refusal yeah i know it by now so please don't try me yeah you know? and can't he go to his his supervisor and say patient refused like, yeah you just type it in the thing i oh uh, that, that week in the hospital that was my drama for the time i had to you know got bored so i had to tell everybody that came in i was <laughs> like oh you won't believe what happened to me and by the end of it, i had forgotten kind of like what what actually happened yeah, yeah, yeah and i'm like and they're like why you know the, one of my favorite nurses showed up at the end of the week and she had been off for most of the week and she shows up and why why is he not allowed in your room But like, just trust me on this one. Yeah. Like, uh, I can't stand up. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, listen, it also wasn't, I feel like, isn't it more of his job also to make sure like, I don't know, like you don't die on his watch. Like it, it wasn't like it was like life saving <laughs> no, medication. It was nothing. It to was do with literally me. just like, which I could also refuse that. Like I could be refusing a lot of things that make him look a lot worse. Right. You know, not a bleach wipe to clean up or whatever, yeah. whatever the case was, whatever this weird oh, little thing. Boy. Yeah. I feel like sometimes, you know, the medical industry is very interesting. There are so many beautiful, lovely people yes. who have made this experience so empowering and like uplifting, but there is a pocket of people. Oh, I don't know how in the hell they ended up doing anything with people where you have to have compassion and sympathy, especially I go to a specific cancer hospital. Right. And so I'm blown away by Nine times out of ten, the people are great. Yes. But there is this little percentage of people who are horrible at their jobs and why they, and I'm in a grudge with every single one of them. I mean, everyone yeah. that I encounter, I've grudged completely and everyone knows about it. The amount of complaints at patient concierge <laughs> services that I filed over the past six months. I mean, the list, it's, it's a book. It's a book. Listen, so. you deserve it. Thank That's you. That's your prerogative. Thank you. Ugh. I, you know what? It's, it's interesting too because you also wonder like, is it that this person has seen too much? Is it mm -hmm. that they, you know, or is it just that they're just not suited to this work? And then they were like, well, I t went through school for this and really committed. So I guess I'm in this job now. Yeah. I think I mean, it's a lot of that. So. Which, listen, you got to spread your wings. Ugh, spread your wings and spread fly. Your wings and fly. Find something that brings you joy. Yeah. You know? And if this isn't it, like taking care of people, then. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I do think it takes a very special kind of person to want to devote their lives in that way. Absolutely. And I think that there are people who think that they are cut out for that that probably aren't. Like, I could see there being a lot of people that it's like, oh, I'm, I'm compassionate. I'm like this. But it's not until you really get into it that it's like, it's a, mm -hmm. that's a big job. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I could keep going forever. I, I don't know. want to stop talking. I know. I know. I, maybe I'll just have to come back after this is all said and done and we'll do a yes. little update and Absolutely. we'll have new stories. And a hundred percent. I think that that has to happen. Uh, I'm so glad that you took the time to come in and guest on giving it up for less. Oh my gosh. You gave it up for less. Oh my gosh. For, for barely anything <laughs> one might say. Where can people find you on social media? Oh, it's just at Jared Lips. You know, I love simple, it. Simple, simple and concise. Simple, concise. I am going to post the GoFundMe link. If you are, uh, you know, f feeling like you would like to give some money to something, I think that this is really great because again, it's, it's 
completely criminal to me that somebody who has insurance in this company is still going to go into massive amounts of debt mm-hmm. just to get you know the care that they need to live uh and so yes visit the link in my bio on instagram i'll share it on twitter as well uh if you have a dumb lie you'd like to share email dumb lies we tell at gmail.com maybe i'll read it maybe i won't who knows you gotta send one if you want to be a contender thank you again jared i love oh, you so love you very very much thank it's you for having such me. a pleasure and we'll see you back we'll do a follow-up can't wait okay bye bye